grew up in Iowa in a really quiet place and a really quiet family. So I think that might be part of the reason why I am hypersensitive to noise. This is Paige Towers. She grew up in the Midwest, and her childhood was filled with the sounds of nature. When she played outside, she was surrounded by birdsong and rustling leaves. But as she grew up, Paige's path toward becoming a writer took her far away from her peaceful comfort zone. When I grew up and I started traveling the world and living abroad and living in these major U.S. cities, that was exciting and it's what I needed and wanted to do for my career. But it was kind of a shock to my nervous system because I just grew up in a place where you can go outside at night and you listen to cicadas and wind in the trees. It's very quiet. And although noise bothered me when I was moving to all these cities, it really wasn't until later that all of these things kind of caught up with me. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. Paige has written in places like the Washington Post and The Guardian about her struggles with noise. Living in some of the loudest cities on the planet taught her a lot about her own mental health. I, as a very young kid, remember just being completely overwhelmed by noisy environments. Except the fact that I was a young child and I was not able to express like, hey, I am overstimulated. Instead, I was just labeled difficult. And I think that they knew that I was shy, introverted. But really what was triggering for me was like if I was like in a mall or at a carnival or something, it could be really fun for about an hour. And then I just started to feel panicky. Like, uh, I have to get out of here. I have to go somewhere quiet. I have to reset. The noise has always felt to me almost like it had physical weight, like I could feel it vibrating in my bones. No matter what I did to just try to like distract myself or stay calm or whatever, it just, I knew what I needed was quiet. I got to walk home by myself, which was very quiet. I would take myself down to the park. I would trespass on people's farms. I would go to the woods. Paige's need for quiet often meant seeking solitude, so it was easily mistaken for social anxiety. She couldn't quite figure out why she was so desperate to leave noisy places. We inherently think people who like quiet are old and crotchety and just like the antithesis of fun. (laughs) And so I, I never was able to express or maybe even identify like, hey, I need quiet. When I was in, like, college, I would have fun at a party for a while or at a bar for a while, and then I just sort of felt, I felt like I was kind of, what I realize now, and I didn't even know then, like, I was kind of having symptoms of a panic attack. And if I could get myself outside or even, like, to the bathroom and just sort of, like, relax for a little bit and just, like, take in the quiet, then I was fine. I need to go somewhere where I can feel like myself and feel calm. And then I could come back and then I'd be fine. It's not that I didn't love like hanging out with my friends and I loved music and I loved doing all these things. It's just that I'm somebody who does not feel like myself unless I can escape to nature, at least daily. I've like moved to all of these different big cities. And what I realize now, it wasn't just seeking out nature because I like nature, I was seeking out quiet. 
It wasn't until Paige landed in New York that she realized that her anxiety wasn't about being around other people. Maybe it wasn't even about being in nature. It was really about the constant weight of inescapable noise. In every other place I lived before New York City, I always had an outlet. I lived in Seoul, South Korea for a while. That's a really loud city. But I could go walking along the Han River or I could go visit a Buddhist temple. I lived in Denver, Colorado. You take one hour drive to the mountains. I lived in Boston and I lived in Roxbury, the neighborhood. And I would go walking through Franklin Park. It's really desolate and really lovely and quiet. I've lived in a lot of places, but it was the first time when I moved to New York City. That's when I discovered, like, not even in Central Park or on Randall's Island could I find a place that was at least even, like, free of traffic noise. So when I moved to New York City, the first three months were super exciting. It's stimulating. It's chaotic. Especially if you're from Iowa, like me, you kind of are walking around going like, I made it. Like, I'm here. I'm doing it. You can go to the museum. You go out for drinks. You can stay all all night. Like, it's great. But after three months, Paige started to fall apart. She felt overwhelmed, frazzled, and she wasn't sleeping well. She needed a break from the constant noise. But the noise was everywhere. If you place yourself... On any street in Manhattan, there's always this underlying whoosh of traffic, which if you are sensitive to sound, you'll probably pick up on pretty quickly. I always viewed that as like the underlayer was the constant sound of traffic. Then layering on top of that are all the more startling sounds, the louder sounds. Obviously, there are ambulance and police sirens. New York City is just chronically under construction, so there's always a jackhammer happening that you're walking by. There's nail guns, there's uh, machinery. There's a lot of garbage in New York City. There's a lot of garbage trucks, so there's the rumbling garbage trucks going by. Um, There's a lot of buses, and buses have those air brakes, which let off that really loud whooshing sound. You'll see people's dogs always like jerking when they hear that sound because it's just very alarming. And then the closer you get to the East River or Hudson, there's factory noise. In the summer, there's always the hum of air conditioners. There's exhaust fans. There's honking cars, obviously. There's music streaming out of the bars. There's people talking. People talking on speakerphone while they walk down the street. There's the subway screech. You know, it's funny because everybody just sort of like stands there and endures the sound of the subway approaching, which it's well over 100 decibels. You know, it can cause hearing damage over time. Many New Yorkers take pride in being able to handle the noise. But just because you can handle it doesn't mean it can't affect you. If you look, like you always see little children placing their hands over their ears whenever the subway is approaching because... They don't have an image to uphold. They don't have to be cool. They don't have to look tough. And their body is saying, hey, that sound is really loud. You should probably cover your ears. All right. Take a deep breath. That was a lot of noise you just had thrown at you. Luckily, it was only for a couple minutes, and you could turn down the podcast if you needed to. But if you live in a place like New York City, 
That level of noise isn't temporary, and you can't turn it down. It's a great city, and there's so many wonderful things about it. It's diverse, and it's artistic, and you can be yourself there. But I cringe when I think about some of those things. My shoulders get tight. This sounds dramatic, but I literally, some days, I just, I was like, I feel like I'm going to die. Like, I have to get out of here. Paige's experience may sound a bit extreme, especially if noise doesn't bother you personally. But noise affects all of us, whether we realize it or not. Studies show that continued exposure to loud noise can increase blood pressure and affect our sleep. Not to mention it's just plain stressful. It's something that we all need an occasional escape from. But escaping isn't possible for everyone. If you don't have the money to go to the Hamptons or the Catskills or have a car or anything like that, then you can't escape it. You're stuck with it. And a lot of research has shown it's the people that are stuck with it that are affected the most. Unfortunately, that makes for a lot of poorer, a lot of minority neighborhoods that are dealing with the most noise, and they're the ones that can't leave. About three months in, it was like a a Saturday morning where I woke up and my husband Kumar had left for work. I woke up around six and I was like, what am I going to do today? And it hit me that I couldn't hear bird song, even though the window was open. I put on my shoes. I went to Central Park. That was like 6.30 a.m. and it was already kind of like filling up with tourists. There was sirens going by. People were playing music and... I still couldn't hear birdsong. Usually if I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling down, in the past it's always been, okay, I'm going to go into nature somewhere and I'm going to walk it off, I'm going to breathe, and, you know, in an hour or so I'm going to be okay. But this was a thing where it was like the more I kept walking, the more overwhelmed I became because the louder the city was becoming. And so I had, like, the classic symptoms of panic, where it was like my shoulders were super tense, I was starting to get a terrible, like, stress headache. My heart rate, I couldn't get it to calm down. I, like, broke out into cold sweats, and I felt like screaming. I felt like I just needed everything to shut up for a while. I just wanted human-made noise, all of this artificial noise, to go away for a little bit. Paige was finding it hard to focus on her work, and honestly, just to get through the day. The whole situation was becoming unsustainable for her. Finally, she decided to seek help. So when I first went to see a therapist in New York City, I had kind of hit rock bottom. I was not doing well. So initially, we're sort of addressing just depression and how I can get myself off the floor. But pretty quickly, we discovered okay, what's the trigger for your anxiety? What's the trigger for you panicking? What's the trigger for you going into these downward depressive spirals? And I would start to talk about how, like, on my commutes home from work, when I was passing construction workers using jackhammers, I was feeling extremely weak, and I was feeling like I had to cry. And so it sounds ridiculous, but I hadn't completely realize that that was what was happening because I was so low in mood all the time that I wasn't really aware that it was triggered by noise. Paige had reached her breaking point. 
but she was also about to discover a way to cope with the noise around her by fighting sound with sound. Also, how do we fix the noise that our cities are so reliant on? All that, after this. Here's the reveal to last episode's mystery sound. That was the T-Rex roar from the original Jurassic Park movie. It's a combination of a bunch of animals that we're going to tell you all about in a future episode. Congratulations to Amy Falk for getting that one right. Now, here's this episode's mystery sound. And again. If you think you know that sound, you can submit your guess at the web address mystery.20k.org. If you get it right, you'll be entered to win one of our world-famous, super-soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirts. For me, the hardest part of hiring is narrowing down the search, and that's where Indeed can help. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. That makes it the world's largest platform for finding skilled staff. In fact, during the time it'll take me to read this ad, 23 people will have been hired on Indeed. Whenever we list a job, we get a lot of applications. So many of them are from brilliant and talented people. But it can be really hard to have those applications rise to the top. With Indeed's smart matching engine, that process becomes a lot easier. And over time, the matching engine learns your preferences. The more you use it, the more efficient it becomes. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers said that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Hertz. That's Indeed.com slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today, writer Paige Towers can look back and connect the dots between her noise sensitivity and her anxiety. That realization, though, didn't come easily. Paige had to reach her lowest point before she realized noise was the problem. So my therapist suggested that I put on headphones. It sounds simple, like I should have known to do that. Putting on noise-canceling headphones and walking around a city was really unnerving for me at first because I just felt so vulnerable because I can't hear anything and somebody's going to sneak up from behind. But that risk alone was worth every benefit I got from canceling out the noise or from putting on headphones and listening to nature sounds while I'm walking through the city. Because when I got home, I didn't collapse on the floor. The first ever nature sounds video that I Googled was the sound of a loon call because I was born in Minnesota and lived there until I was six. And that was just one of my favorite sounds was the sound of loon calls sort of like echoing over a lake in Minnesota. I turned the sound of loons on as a way of masking all the artificial noise originally. And then I just noticed like how incredibly calm it made me. This first little peek into nature sounds sent Paige down an internet rabbit hole. It turns out there are a lot of resources for piping the sounds of nature directly into our ears. I started looking at all these different sound videos on YouTube. There's one channel I love. It's called The Silent Watcher. It just has all of these videos, I think from Bulgaria, but they're in the forest. They're next to 
streams and rivers, and it's the sound of birdsong. That would completely put me in a concentrated meditative state, which as a writer, obviously, I need to be in that state in order to sit there and create. It just became a pattern of every morning I get up, I make my coffee, I walk my dogs, I do whatever, and then as soon as I sit down at my laptop, the nature sounds come on and I enter into a state of, I don't have to react to anything, I'm not in like a fight or flight response, I'm just here in my natural state and I'm going to work. And since then, like I've, you know, I have a pretty prolific collection of nature sounds, so... I use them not only as like a therapeutic tool, but also as a workspace tool. Paige had discovered a simple tool that anyone could use to combat stress. And that's great. But the world outside our headphones just keeps getting louder. And evidence shows that anxiety is just one of the many negative effects of noise. There's an increasing amount of research on noise pollution, and many cities are so chronically loud, again, particularly in poor minority areas, that residents experience elevated heart rates, they experience elevated blood pressure, there's higher incidences of stroke and sleep disturbances and cardiovascular disease, there's higher instances of depression. It was really reassuring when I was experiencing this elevated heart rate and cold sweats and headache and anxiety and depression. It was wonderful to learn, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one. Like This is widely researched throughout the U.S. and Asia and Europe. If you live in a place with just a high density of noise, you're just so much more susceptible to a variety of health issues. Many people who live in noisy urban areas have been fighting to make their surroundings quieter. One of their main requests is to create more green space, like parks and gardens. Research shows that these changes can have a big positive health benefit. But there's still plenty of opposition. It's a hard thing to fight, not only because noise is invisible, but because noise is productivity, noise is manufacturing, it's industry and technology and transportation. Noise is capitalism, noise is money. So why would we want to change that? Especially if you have enough money and privilege, you can just escape the noise anyway by heading to the Hamptons for the weekend. So there are a lot of anti-noise organizations out there doing amazing work, but they fight a hard battle. These organizations aren't just advocating for another park here or there. They want city officials to rethink how we treat noise from the ground up. It's only then that we'll see real progress. Now, the best time to fix these issues was years ago. But the next best time is right now. It's sort of remarkable that we have allowed ourselves to get to this point where we are literally inundated with so much noise to the point where like, we have to talk really loud to be able to hear each other. And we act as if, like, this is just part of, like, city living. Like, it's, you know, you, like, suck it up. But in reality, like, it's kind of insane. I don't know. I really do think that we're, like, heading for, like, a decibel breaking point. That's just my opinion. It's my opinion, too. Look around you. Unless you're out in nature somewhere, I'm guessing that most of the things in your field of vision were designed by people. 
The same goes for our senses of touch, taste, and smell. Think about it. If a fabric is uncomfortable to the touch, it doesn't get made. If a food or drink has a bad taste, we avoid it. We've also done a lot to change how public spaces smell. Just a few decades ago, bars and restaurants were often filled with the smell of cigarette smoke. Now, laws have changed, and that smell is much rarer in public spaces. That movement to stop people smoking indoors started with just a few persistent voices. Their concerns were dismissed until more voices joined in. Then, research began to show the real negative effects of secondhand smoke. And finally, the scales tipped. So why hasn't this happened yet with noise? On Twitter last year, there was some hashtag that I'm not going to think of right now, but it was like, you know, where everybody was cleaning up litter and they would show these before and after photos. And that was wonderful. That's a great campaign, but it also is really easy because you can see the difference. It's right in front of your eyes. But with sound and noise, we just don't have that luxury. As a whole, we've simply accepted that our cities are really loud. The health implications of noise pollution have largely been ignored. There are things we can do in our own lives to limit noise. But Paige says that alone isn't enough. You can do a lot of things on your own. You can stop using a gas lawnmower. You can stop using a weed whacker and a leaf blower and all these things. But ultimately, what's really the source of noise pollution is power. It's money. So it's aircraft. It's military. It's oil drilling. It's factories. It's traffic and transportation. So that takes a lot of collective action. But before we can get to the collective action, we have to have a lot more people on board. We have to have a lot more people thinking about, hey, how is all of this noise around me affecting things? Awareness is the first step toward change. Together, we can make our world sound a little bit better. If you live in a noisy city, you can write your local representatives and tell them your concerns about noise. You can also support initiatives asking for more green space. Ask those in power to invest in structural changes that make our cities quieter. The good news is, human design can already offer real solutions. Buildings can be designed to act as noise shields. Better road surfaces can be used to limit traffic sounds. Cities can be designed to encourage more walking and biking. These are real changes that would make a world of difference to our society and to us as individuals. It just opens up this whole new world for you. You're not so inward focused. You're not ignoring the next person because you're just kind of stressed. Like you're suddenly sort of hearing all these different things and you're interacting with people. In the future, I would love to see like everything taken down several notches. I think that we owe it to people to do that. If I ever have kids, I I do hope they look back at us all just sort of like driving around in like cars and on motorcycles everywhere and just all of this noise, all of this construction noise, everything. I hope they look back on it and be like, wow, that was, that was crazy. Twenty Thousand Hertz is produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. Find out more at defactosound.com. This episode was written and produced by Marissa Flaxbart and me, Dallas Taylor, with help from Sam Sneebly. It was edited, sound designed, and mixed by Colin Devarney. Thanks so much to our guest, Paige Towers, for sharing her story and spreading awareness about our noise problem. 
We could all use some anxiety relief right now. So for the next 60 seconds, we're going to follow Paige's advice and listen to the perfectly soothing sounds from our natural world. So take a minute to just let your mind calm and listen. 